You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into the Skate Pod, episode 263. I'm Bridget Prue alongside Scott McLaughlin. Brian is not here. We didn't even ask where he was uh, going to be. <laughs> But it is a Friday, so we just assume he's off doing something fun. Um, and I don't know about you, Scott, but I am. I think he. I think he's. Uh, I think he. I think Brian is joining Gerard Mayo's coaching staff. It's it's a new era down in Foxborough. Well, uh, I, I think I hope he still has time for us. Um, <laughs> I think he, he has special teams coordinator written all over him. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know if that's what position I'd pick him for, but um, we. We'll find out, uh, you know, what he got hired to later. As for me, I am so tired. Um, the game didn't get over until almost one in the morning. Um, yeah, the I, I love the fact that all these late night games are going to overtime. Just, uh, it's so wonderful. Really, really, all just of them, all three. The <laughs> yeah, all, all of them. Yeah, though, especially the one that starts at ten. That one's always fun when that goes to overtime, but. Um, I'm pretty sure I turned my TV off immediately after the Bruins lost in overtime and with under 60 in under 60 seconds, I was asleep and that never happens for me, but I was just out. Yeah. I I basically just wanted to see what Montgomery said about uh, the over overtime mix up, which we're going to get into obviously, but uh, yeah, I, I wrote this morning and was actually in the middle of finishing up my column when the news broke that Gerard Mayo, was going to be the Patriots next head coach. So it's crazy. Just since the last time we recorded Bridget Belichick era over Mayo era started. Uh, yeah. And I said, I believe it when I see it, but um, I see it. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's over. Um, yeah. And Scott's been moonlighting as a Patriots reporter. <laughs> Mostly just helping out. Our, our guys have, have been all over it, but yeah, it's kind of been a little bit of all hands on deck. Uh, I think Thursday was probably the biggest traffic day WEI.com had in, in a very long time. Uh, yeah, and I heard from some of the producers that we're friends with that it was just chaos with all of the everything, everyone trying to get together highlights and the best of like moments from Belichick and all the wonderful interviews he did on WEI. <laughs> the, the riveting stuff that he that he talked to us about, like Taylor Swift. Um, but Anyway, yeah, um, definitely go check out Six Rings with Fitzy and Hart if you want to hear more Patriots talk because those two are great. And um, yeah, so. and Mike Cadlick, he's 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 part of that as well. So oh, Mike Cadlick, all, all three of them. Yeah, he does. 
He usually does like one or two episodes a week with them. So oh. well, those are three great guys. So listen uh-huh. to that. Um, anyway, Scott, let's get to our opening shifts. Um, we're going to start with you because you have some thoughts on overtime. Yeah, the Bruins suck at it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my take on overtime. <laughs> okay, all right. My opening shift now, time now. Okay. Yeah. No, they're, they're now two and nine in overtime on the season. It's crazy for like a team that's as good as they are in just about every other situation. And in theory, has the talent to be a really good three on three team with guys like Pasternak, Marchand, McAvoy, Lindholm. Coyle, you would think, you know, says a smart two-way player is good three-on-three. DeBrus can make things happen. Like, they should, in theory, be a good three-on-three team. And yet, here they are, now two and nine. In overtime of the season, yeah, after losing the last two games in overtime, um, we're we're certainly going to get into the breakdown on Vegas's winner Thursday night because Pasternak basically – Mark Stone walks right around him in the neutral zone. There's a miscommunication between Pasternak and Marchand as far as who's coming back and picking a guy up on the back check and who's staying up ice to to cover Jack Eichel, which is what they they both thought they were doing. Well, I feel like Pasternak just thinks that everyone knows he's not the one that's getting back. So he's just like, that's you, right? You know. Yeah, so definitely <laughs> want to get into that more because there's a lot to break down there. And unfortunately for Pasternak, it only feeds some of the, the criticism of him that surfaced this week. So we can get into that as well. Um, but yeah, just it, it's just baff. Like, I, I remember joking earlier this season on here that the Bruins should just play extremely conservative and like go in loops around their own zone and run the clock down to get to a shootout. I actually think that might just be their best strategy at this point. Like don't even bother trying to score. Don't be aggressive. Literally just try to kill the five minutes and get to a shootout because. Well, well, Scott, that would require maintaining possession of the puck. True. Yeah. And that's not really their strength in the overtime, but we'll get back to that (laughs) after I I hit my opening shift, which is uh, some updates on the injuries. So three key injuries. Uh, Brendan Carlo was placed on IR and Brendan Bussey was recalled from Providence since the last time we talked. Um, though I don't, I do believe Carlo's still on the trip. He was as of yesterday. I don't know if that's gonna, I, I assume unless he needs to like undergo further evaluation, he'll probably just stick with them through St. Louis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's out now at least for St. Louis and then for Monday's home game against the Devils. Yeah, but he's still listed as day-to-day. So it's not like – it wasn't long-term IR. It was just regular IR. Um, so that means two two more games, three total – no, four total now. Um, but – and then also we got some very positive updates in terms of Linus Allmark because I was thinking long-term IR from the get-go, and we're still lacking a lot of information about um, – what exactly the timeline is, but it was listed as day to day. So I guess maybe um, the worst of it, the, like your worst fears aren't realized if you thought that that was like a groin and, and that that was season ending because it looked real bad. Um, and obviously them being out on the West Coast or not the West Coast, but um, out West 
we haven't had a chance to see him. Sometimes we'll we'll get a chance to see guys and like how they're walking because they'll be up on the ninth floor with us. And like we noticed when Lucci was in a boot or was out of the boot or like, you know, you see crutches or, or different things that give you a, a hint as to how uh, serious the injury is. So we haven't had a chance to see him because we are not out on the road trip, as you can see. We're in our lovely homes right now. Um, but so that I still think that that was a really positive update that it's currently just expected to be day to day. How much they're hiding. I don't, I don't know. I'm always skeptical, especially with goalies. Like they, you, you know, teams want to keep that under wraps. So um, nonetheless, we'll get to how Swayman did. Um, and, you know, a little bit about Brennan Bussey as well. And then Matt Patra, the third injury also day to day. Um, and all three of those guys right now, they stuck on the road trip, which is always a good sign. Like if you're seeing a guy get flown back to Boston, it usually means there's either some sort of immediate procedure or more tests for more serious injuries. So I think there's positive signs in, in all those three injuries. Yeah, cer certainly sounds like none of them are long-term, none more than maybe like a week or two, you, you, I guess you hope. But uh, yeah. Allmark in particular, that looked like one, especially as you see him leaving the ice with, you know, not pushing off at all, just being guided off. Like you worry about that being something longer term. So that's encouraging so far. We'll see if anything changes there. And Padre looked like that. He, at the very least, he looked like he was in a lot of pain. Um, you, you never really know what those kind of, shoulder injuries or whatever it might have been like it it can be anything from just a, a stinger or you know like a, a mild dislocation where you can kind of pop it back in and just just rest for a few days all the way up to like a, you know something tears or a broken collarbone or like you just don't know so um fortunately that seems like it's not on the more serious side so yeah all, all things considered you know, you'll, you'll survive if they all miss, you know, a few games. Um, would have definitely been bad if one, two, or all three, we found out are going to be out like four weeks, six, eight weeks. Like, like the Anaheim Ducks just had in one tweet, they announced that Trevor Zegras and Pat, uh, Pavel Minchikov both out like six to eight weeks. And it's just like, not that the Ducks are playing for anything anyways, but it's like, well, there goes their season. Like, now they're not even entertaining. Like, well, yeah, and Connor Bedard. Brutal. Connor Bedard, too. Yeah. To, yeah, so he's out for at least eight weeks, I think, right? Or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the fact that the Bruins could have avoided that uh, looks, looks encouraging. And by the way, if Carlo – if this was a long-term IR for Carlo, you're missing – now you're missing Forbert and Carlo, your two best – penalty killers uh and your best shutdown defenseman so that changes that kind of changes how you have to approach your game plan uh because you know you, you don't have those guys you don't have either of those guys um and then like what what's your next best shutdown defenseman like Weatherspoon? like i don't even know like there's not like a good replacement for i mean re realistically it's probably mcavoy but yeah you Ideally, like you want to be using McAvoy in more offensive situations and free him up more and not have to, you know, bury him in the D zone. I mean, Lind Lindholm's obviously really good defensively too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, but those are guys that ideally you want to be freeing up and 
allowing them to be involved in offense. And, um, you know, the, the, the more, the more you get banged up back there, the more you, you have to rely on them to, to handle the defensive workload first, because, you know, I, 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 I think Matt Grizzly played well Thursday night. We've discussed he's had a little bit of a down season. Mason Lori, like you don't want to throw heavy defensive zone assignments on him just yet. Um, Parker Wotherspoon's done a good job. I know we're going to get to him in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's you. You have to ride your horses when you're you're down with they're down. And you, there's one thing that was a little bit concerning to me about the Olmark thing. And that, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> and that's that um, the panel on Nesson were talking about it like it was going to be Swayman for a long time. And that panel includes Razor. And I don't know if Razor has any information that we may not have. Yeah, I, I think, and it's possible that they're going to keep Allmark out maybe a little longer than he needs to. Like that, that feels like it would be a smart thing to do because we know last year something happened down the stretch late in the regular season that certainly seemed to linger into the playoffs. Um, you know, they, everyone kind of sort of acknowledged that, but insisted he wasn't actually injured. It was just like a pain tolerance type thing, but it's like. Pain tolerance uh, means you're injured. I'm sorry. Right, like no right. healthy like, person is like, Oh, my arm just hurts so fucking bad today. <laughs> right. I, right. Cause it's like, like, I guess like a bruise would be a pain tolerance thing, like might not directly affect how you play, but in Elmark's case, like in a lot of goalies cases, like I don't think it's a bruise. It's something's strained, tweaked. And that, even if you think you're fine, like you subconsciously manage that you, you know, you don't push off quite as hard or you don't go into a full split because, you know, maybe it's your groin or whatever. Like, so you don't want a goalie playing through something or just toughing it out. Like you're in a good spot. You're still first place in the Eastern conference. Uh, although Florida Panthers are closing fast. They're now just one point behind the Bruins. Um, but you can afford to give Allmark all the time that he needs. And that's what they should do. So even if it's like, Hey, he could be ready to go next Thursday. Um, you know, he feels, he feels okay. He's not, but you know, it's still lingering a little just rest, like give him another couple games or whatever it might be. Like you can use Swayman. This isn't a particularly thick stretch of the schedule in terms of games, like Saturday, come home Monday afternoon. That's, you know, there's travel there. So like that might be a little tough, but then you're off until Thursday. So you, you can get Swayman a few starts here and if you get Brandon Bussey's first NHL action, like that's not a bad thing, you know, get the kid some experience, see, see what he does up here. No, no. And I, and you are like me and like a lot of people who just enjoy hockey that we just want to know what the prospect looks like. And it's, it's, in, it's in and of itself an entertaining experience for people who are wondering, Oh, well, you know, this, this goalie seems to have a lot of promise. What's he going to look like in NHL action? So it's always, and it's always something we can talk about. Um, so we're happy to see him come in at, at some point um, just to, just to get a look besides what we saw in preseason. But in terms of Swayman, first of all, started off his first game, knowing that Allmark wasn't going to be there backing him up. Uh, he did really, really well. 
And he, it might've been even his best game of the season in terms of some of the saves that he had to make and the timeliness of them. Uh, obviously overtime hasn't gone great for him, but he's, I don't really know what he was supposed to do on that two on one uh, situation in overtime, but in general, this is the luxury of having two amazing goaltenders is that you don't have to rush all Mark back and you shouldn't. <laughs> so, but you don't have to worry about, you know, the points in the standings because Swayman's not going to be someone that you're just like conceding games. If you're, if you're putting him in net for an extended period of time. So it's not like you have a backup that's barely NHL ready. It's not, it's not that situation. So take it, take advantage of it and give Allmark the time he needs to rest. Yeah, Thursday night I thought I thought both goalies were good, Swayman and Logan Thompson for Vegas. At times it was a very kind of mucked up defensive game where there there were especially first and second periods there were some long stretches where it felt like neither team was getting any good chances, and that's not overly surprising. Both Vegas and the Bruins pride themselves in defense. Cassidy and Montgomery to good defensive coaches. Um, I actually thought that in the third period, the Bruins really took control and dominated play and had the much better chances in the third. They just, um, you know, they did get the, the tying goal from Grizzly. Couldn't, couldn't get the winner in regulation, even though they had a couple chances, but um, yeah, it's tough. The way the game ends, it, it leaves a very sour taste in your mouth, but I don't really have much of a problem with that game from the Bruins. Now Vegas was already a little banged up. They also lost both Mark Stone and Jack Eichel for a stretch in the second period. Um, Both came back for the third. So kind of a bit of a a sloppy game all around, but I think if you're just going to look at regulation, you'd say the Bruins were probably the better team and and be relatively happy with that effort, even though it was still one-to-one. And then, then it all just kind of goes to hell in overtime. It was kind of a boring game, right? Yeah. The first two periods, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm very tired. Someone needs to hit someone. Someone needs to fight. Like, there needs to be a goal. (laughs) Like, it goes into, it looked like it was going to go into overtime tied 0-0. The goals didn't come till the back half of the third period. And I'm like, for a 10 p.m. game, guys, can we just get a little bit more scoring? Um you know, some weird penalty calls as well. Uh, Especially in the third period. Straight up bad penalty calls. Yeah. They're just, it was just like so many things that were just nothing. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to expedite the process and not have us go to overtime. That's my theory. I mean, yeah, three of them on the Bruins. The James Van Riemsdyk trip is a stick on the shin pads of a player who was already losing his balance. And on the one hand, it's like, I get, you know, ref sees a stick there, sees a guy goes down, thinks it thinks it's a trip, but it's like, he didn't fall because of Van Reem's like stick. McAvoy's puck over the glass clearly deflected. And I'm like, I tweeted this, but I, I don't understand how we still don't have a system where someone can buzz down to the refs and be like, Hey, that was deflected. And you correct the call and you move on with the game. The system is Jack uh, Jack just screams into his microphone on Ness and that was deflected. And that, you yeah. know, there you go. <laughs> There's your system. But, yeah, but it's like 
the NFL has these expedited reviews now where they don't have to go all the way over to the camera and, you know, go under the hood. I watch a lot of soccer. Most of the highest level soccer leagues have expedited reviews where things just get buzzed down to a ref. I'm like, why don't we have that in the NHL? Like it's 2024 guys. We got the technology. Like I I get, obviously you don't want to review every penalty because that just gets really messy and bogs the game down. But something like that, where it's like black and white, either, either the puck's deflected or it's not. And you could see on Nesson on the first replay that it got deflected. Something like that. It's like, yeah, like that's a really easy fix. That takes five yeah. seconds. And yeah. I, I don't see how it hurts the game at all to do that. Like, in fact, it helps the game because it prevents an errant power play. Um, yeah. The last, I mean, the it's, last just, one was, it's, it's basically, it comes down to this. It's a way you can get it right. Yeah. That's and the last know. one, the, the last bad call, Danton Heinen's hook. Not a hook. <laughs> like, there's not even anything resembling a hook there. Again, no. <laughs> Like I, I tweeted this, it's like if that's a hook, then there's like 45 hooks a game because that play happens almost every shift. Someone like his stick grazed the guy. I'm like, what are we doing? It's yeah, that wasn't they weren't calling a hockey game in the third period. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Scott, let's let's finish up your thoughts on overtime and then we'll get to our Friday segment of who's up, who's down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so obviously this play that Vegas wins the game on is just a total disaster for the Bruins. Um, Mark Stone is slowly carrying the puck through the neutral zone. David Pasenak steps up towards him, but just does a flyby. Like, doesn't doesn't get the puck, doesn't get the body. Stone goes right around him, and it's an easy two-on-one. Passes over to Petrangelo, game over. Um Clearly, there was a miscommunication between Pasenak and Marshand. They were both kind of looking at each other with their arms outstretched. Um, Pasenak thought, because Marshand was starting to move back and, you know, come back down ice towards his zone. Pasenak clearly thought Marshand was picking up one of the guys on the rush, and then Pasenak was going to loop forward and take. Eichel, who was the trailer, like, way behind the play. Meanwhile, Marchand had already turned up ice to go back to Eichel, and so Petrangelo is completely free down the other wing, and once Pasenak misses Stone, that's it. And 
I guess a miscommunication is one thing. And, you know, I don't know if we'll get any sort of like deep, like Montgomery acknowledged that after the game, he said, yeah, it was two players who were confused about who was taking who, you know, I don't know if we'll get like the breakdown of like who actually should have been picking someone up and how that should have gone. But what I would say is that regardless of who was supposed to do what, and regardless of what Pasenak thought Marshan was doing, you can't do a flyby in a three on three. Like no matter what else happens, Pasenak steps up one-on-one on Mark Stone and doesn't make a play, just completely misses him and lets him walk right by him. And like that in a three on three game, like you're almost begging for an odd man rush at that point. You gotta, there's gotta be something. There's gotta be a poke check. There's gotta be, I'm not saying like deck the guy, but a bump, ride him over to the boards or something. You can't just have him walk right around you, no matter what else you thought should have been happening. Think about all the different ways they've lost in overtime this year. I mean, it's it comes down to like poor shot selection, um, not knowing who your your man is to get back and cover. Uh, in a few cases, I mean, in the, in the case in Arizona, Pasternak had a few chances to score on a breakaway, which normally he would do. Um, and just the Bruins haven't been able to to finish in overtime. Uh, and so it's kind of become ugly to watch. Um, it's not something you're confident in when you're when you're watching. I'll say this. Uh, it's a really good thing for the Bruins that uh, in the playoffs, there's no such thing as three on three overtime right. because they wouldn't be making it very far. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, they, you know, fortunately, that's not something in the playoffs they have to worry about. I don't really know how much time they spend practicing it, but it doesn't look like they spend any time at all. <laughs> they do. They do occasionally. Like I've definitely seen them practice three on three a few times. It's, it's not a regular occurrence just because it is, kind of, you know, such kind of like a novelty situation that there really, because a lot... at this point, it's been like a third of the game. Right. <laughs> like, well, they might have to now, but the problem is, is they're in another one of these stretches where they don't have any real practices. Their last practice was a week ago, Wednesday, last full practice, not just a morning skate was a week ago, Wednesday. And they're not scheduled for another one until I believe Tuesday. So it's going to be almost two full weeks without a full practice. Like it, it is a tough part of the schedule and that's sometimes it can be harder to correct things, but yeah, clearly they three and three has been a problem all season. And certainly this week on this road trip, um, you know, the, the Pasenak aspect of it, look, like I, I was just critical of him on that goal. I think that's fair. You add it on to, the criticism he was already getting from Monday night for that shootout attempt, which we all said on, on the last podcast was ridiculous. Like that's, you know, people, but the criticism was ridiculous. Yeah. The criticism was ridiculous. Um, but it, it has been, a, you know, a fairly tough week for, for him. He's, as you mentioned, he also had the two breakaways in overtime Tuesday night. So some of it snake bitten, some of it, whatever you want to call it, miscommunication or just a bad play. He's he's also he's a minus six now over the last three games. So that's not you know, he did have a sick goal in Arizona on Tuesday. Like should mention that as well. But yeah, it's been it's been a down week for Pasta I think a lot of the criticism has gone 
way over the top to, you know, quite frankly, like pretty silly places. Like this idea that you're going to bench him for a game or something to send a message. It's like, he, yeah, he's let's literally, just like, let's just forfeit. You know? He's lit <laughs> right. Like he's literally been involved in 42% of the Bruins goals this season. He has a goal or an assist on 42% of their goals. So if you take him out, you're getting rid of like almost half of your offense right there. Good plan guys. <laughs> even, even the idea of like not playing him in overtime, he's, so they've only scored two goals in overtime this year. He's been on the ice for both of them. And he's been, they've given up nine now. He's been on the he's ice. He's also for been on the ice for so many against. No, he's been on the ice for three <laughs> against. So, so it he's, feels like it's all of them. He's, he's a minus one in overtime this season. There's plenty of guys who are worse than that. So, um, yeah, I think like two things can be true. You can say he's had a rough week or made a bad play there. And then like, let's not forget. He's also still fifth in the NHL in points and one of the very best players in the world. And this happens, like, even the best players have a rough game or a couple games. Like, it's not, it's just not worth freaking out over. No, no. And that's because um, the people who started that are playing a different game than, I mean, they're they're playing a game and we're just kind of reporting. But, um, yeah, so, Scott, you kicked off who's up, who's down. Um, I threw the graphic up there because you were going on your your little rant about Pasternak. So you think that he's down a little bit over the last three games, um, which is from the start of the road trip um, to now to the to the Vegas loss. Um, someone else, do you want to stick with downs first? Uh, sure. Um, so this one, and this may have – a lot to do with some sort of nagging injury that we just don't know about. But James Van Riemsdyk has not only been kind of invisible, but he's gotten demoted. So in the game against Las Vegas, he was demoted to the fourth line, which this I believe is the first time he's played on the fourth line the entire year. Um, so Boquist gets promoted massively to the first line um, because Geeky has to play third line center with Potter out. Uh, and James Van Riemsdyk finds himself not next to those impact players, not next to those, um, you know, your Pasternaks or your, your Marshans, where he was playing in the top six to start the season. He is now playing on the fourth line. Yeah, I think there is some sort of – we know he missed a couple games recently dealing with some sort of injury. I, I do think it's probably lingering a little bit. It's something he can play through. I don't think it's going to get worse, but – there seems to be some management going on there, whether it is, you know, rest games, not playing both games of a back-to-back, minutes management. He's The last two games he's played, he's averaging 1241. Um, he did also – he did move around the lineup a little bit on Thursday. Montgomery was shaking – especially in the second period, he was shaking the lines up quite a bit. It's like I saw him get a shift with Pasternak at one point. I saw him get a shift with – uh, I think DeBrusque at one point. So there were a few different combinations they were trying. And then I think the third period, he was back on the fourth line. So, um, yeah, it'll be definitely be something to monitor going forward. I don't, I don't really envision him as like a sticking on the fourth line, but we'll see. I, I did think he gave that line a little bit of jump though. Like they had a couple chances and, you know, we're, we're talking about ways to get more offense from, from your fourth line. 
I mean, James Van Riemsdyk can certainly help the fourth line generate more chances. I just think he also helps your one of your top three lines generate more chances. So I'd rather have him there if he's healthy and can handle the workload. Well, and you think about his power play to start the season. He was on the number one unit. And now Morgan Geeky has taken over a lot of that time playing the role that Van Riemsdyk played on that top unit, which is net front. But Van Riemsdyk also adds the the fact that he can win faceoffs. Um, so he can, he and and he's, you know, we're talking about two guys that are real big. Uh, Ge- uh, Geeky and Van Riemsdyk are both pretty big guys. Whenever I stand next to them, I feel very, very small. Uh, I usually just feel very small. But when I'm near them, I feel very, very small. Uh, and so he lost that role on the first power play unit as well. So things have kind of slid backwards for him a little bit, um, whether it's injury related or, or what it is, um, we're not sure. And I I don't think he's going to play poorly the rest of the season. It's just a good time to note that he's gone a little bit invisible recently and has had his role scaled back. Yeah. I, I would like to see him back on the top power play unit at some point. Um, I, Because they've been doing this kind of Zaka and Geeky sort of like interchangeable. Like they want to have two face-off guys out there. And then one's in the bumper, one's net front. And it, it's really been more Geeky in the bumper, Zaka net front. But depending on like what they're setting up, that can change. Um, I just, I, I don't think either one of those guys are as gifted in like that true net front role as Van Riemsdyk is. So his, his hand eye for tips and rebounds and his playmaking and like that small area around the net, I'd rather have him there. I, I get why they want two face off guys on if someone gets kicked out of the dot or whatever, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like you can figure that out. You can get someone off quickly or something if you need to. Um, Geeky had a great eight chance in the bumper on the power play Thursday night and whiffed on the shot. So that's, you know, I, I don't think he's been bad there necessarily, but um, I do feel like Van Reems like just, just brings more to that net front role. I, and I agree with you in that situation to that point um, as the specific net front person. Um, so I actually can't think of any more like obvious who's downs, but I feel like a lot of people have been kind of right down the middle, like neutral. Um, we, but I, I can't think of, unless you have one, Scott, any more like obvious downs. Yeah. That's kind of where I am. Like, I mean, you could, you could maybe throw Marshand in there because of that overtime goal, but that feels like real recency bias, you know, he also has two goals recently. So I'm kind of with, like, it feels like there should be more downs in a week where they lost three games, but they all go to overtime. Two of them are against two of the best teams in the league in Colorado and Vegas. I'm with you where it sort of feels like there's just a lot of neutral players. Um, who who do you have as an up? Uh, I think, I think there's maybe one obvious one. Um, just just because, (laughs) just because like we didn't, I mean, we didn't even really have him penciled in for anywhere, any spot on the roster, but yes, yes, for for Boquist. Yeah. I I think it's played pretty well. Um, Scored his first goal on 
Tuesday. I think that was right. He's gotten moved up in the lineup and, you know, it's not like he's setting the world on fire, but I think he's, I think you're seeing him play good hockey and look, look a lot more comfortable in the Bruins system than like the, than he did in the preseason where I think we said at the time he sort of just looked invisible at times. It was like, we'd come on and be like, yeah, I didn't really notice yes for Boquist. And then his first call up this year, he plays four minutes, doesn't play the second half of the game. So we just haven't seen much of him. But I, I think now that he's finally getting some games under his belt, you you see a guy who can contribute in a few different roles. We've seen him play center, wing, fourth line, top line with Zaka and Pasternak, which, you know, I don't really expect him to stick there. But um, just the fact that he got a look there and didn't really look out of place is sort of a testament to the fact that he's just playing better hockey right now. Yeah, and, and he's getting more minutes because of it. Um, like you mentioned, under five minutes in his his first call-up back in December, but he's played four games in January now. Every single game, he's a plus one. So on the season, he's a plus three. Uh, he has continued to get more shots on goal as, as he's been up. So he had three shots on goal against Vegas, uh, two the game before one of them went in for him against Arizona. And yeah, he's getting more shifts as well. The the Vegas game, he saw the most shifts he's seen all season with 17. Obviously, when you're playing out there with the first line, you're going to get more shifts. Um, I think the biggest point of promotion is just that he is going from someone we didn't even know if they were going to get out of Providence this year um, to playing with David Pasternak. Uh, pretty quick turnaround. Um, but it's it happens because... Montgomery was happy with the, the effort that he gave and the progress that he showed since he got that other, the most recent call up, which was like right around January 5th. Um, or cause his first game was January 6th. So, uh, he's still only at 11 and a half minutes in that game because, uh, you know, he didn't play on every shift with that top line. So he's, his minutes are still not David Pasternak's minutes, but, and he's not playing on the power play, obviously. So that's going to bring down some of the, the time uh, compared to some of the other top six guys. I think he handled the role well. So you you go from having someone handle a fourth line role well and kind of drastically jump him up all the way to the first line. But he did what he needed to do again against Vegas. And he actually finished a few checks that I was like, oh, he, he didn't have to, but he went out of his way to to finish some of those hard into the boards. And he's just trying to not be, you know, overlooked this time. Like he wants to be someone that you look back on the game tape and you're like, oh, look, he did this right. Like he's doing these little things right. He's in the right spot. He's playing with confidence. He's finishing checks. He's getting shots through. So kind of I think we've seen him take take advantage of the opportunity he's had through the these four games and Scott, I don't know uh, what you think about him potentially staying up. Like, what does that look like? Where, where is he at in terms of the, the depth chart of who goes down when someone gets healthy? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think, and we've talked about Brian's been on this a little bit and we've talked about kind of the identity of the fourth line. And, you know, do you have to try something a little different because that line hasn't really produced and, Ultimately, I still kind of see him probably ending up more in that kind of role than sticking next to Zaka and Pasternak. We'll see. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But he does bring a little bit of a different element in terms of um, 
speed, creativity, some offensive skill there. So he could get a longer look in, in a spot like that, um, whether it's center or the wing. So he's playing well right now. He's, I, I do think he's kind of maybe pushing guys for, for a spot in the lineup. And remember, like they signed him as a free agent to an NHL contract. They obviously saw something that they liked or that they thought could kind of help their forward mix. And it didn't pan out right away. Obviously he got passed by some other guys, but um, he's been playing well in Providence. He was, was on a line with Georgie Merkulov all through that hot streak that Merkulov was on. So, you know, you, you need the help of your linemates to do that. So he was part of that. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I feel like I still don't have a great feel for, you know, it's just, it's just kind of just like a little flash from him, And then he goes quiet and eventually gets sent back down or has he actually turned a corner and he's going to stick and stay, you know, and play ahead of guys like Steen, Lauko, maybe even Beecher and, um, you know, solidify a spot in the lineup. Well, what I have to say about that is of those guys that you just listed, he has the most NHL experience. He's 195 games played and Steen, Beecher and Lauko are all well underneath that. So uh, he's, he's got the experience, almost 200 games under his belt in the NHL. He, I think that he's through these past four games that he's been up given more to the Bruins offensively uh, than Steen has at any point in the season. So I feel like he's at least ahead of Steen right now. Um, Lauko brings something completely different, though, than, than Boquist. So that kind of becomes more of a uh, pros and cons of what you want the identity of that line to be. And I do agree with Brian's point that he made last time. Maybe make that more of a fast, high-speed, um, sk- more skilled line with Boquist on it than with some of the rougher guys that the identity looked like the vision for the fourth line looked like the identity was going to be real rough when they added Lucic and they have Lauko. And uh, I mean, even Beecher at, at different times has been uh, playing the role of more of a tough guy, but uh, I, I think that he's passed a few people on the depth chart over the past four games. And, and obviously it's going to take that consistency to do that over and over again to keep your spot. But um, I kind of feel like he might stick around over steam for the next, you know, however long that they, that they need someone to fill in in the lineup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, steam's been out of the lineup more than in it recently. So kind of feels like things might already be trending that direction. Um, another up that I had is Parker Weatherspoon, I think continues to play really solid defense for this team and has seen his minutes go up on this road trip, 2048 in Colorado, 2128 in Arizona, and then down to 1727 in Vegas. But you know, that's still, that's still a good workload and he's not playing in overtime. So that's all in regulation. Uh, He's with Carlo out. He's kind of, he's gotten a lot of time next to Lindholm. There's been some changing on the back end to switching, switching pairs up. But for the most part, that's where he's been gone to his offside played there um, and has really kind of had to 
adopts some of those defensive responsibilities. He's been on the first PK unit. Uh, I think, was it Colorado or um, Arizona? I think it was in Colorado where they went to a power play late in a tie game. Colorado went to a power play, Bruins on the kill. And Carlos out of the game. Lindholm was in the box. And Weatherspoon was out there for all but six seconds of the kill. He was out there for a minute 54 of it. And they got the kill. And, you know, I think you see him throw some hits. He had, he had a good one Thursday night. Uh, you know, again, another guy that probably had very low expectations for. Didn't know if you'd even see him factor in at the NHL level at all this season. And, and he has, and he's provided some important depth on the blue line for the Bruins. He, and he's hopped over other people we thought might be up like Ian Mitchell, who came to the Bruins in a, in a trade. Um, and, you know, Weatherspoon, somebody that we got a chance to see in preseason a little bit, but we really were, were kind of talking about the, the depth chart being like the top eight defensemen, including Lori and Ian Mitchell and not Parker Weatherspoon. But he, in the last five games, has had no negative games. He, you know, he's been either even or in the plus over the last five games, uh, getting mostly like more than 20 shifts a game. And this is really the, the big thing is that he hasn't looked like a defensive liability in any situation. So there's a lot of times where, where guys get a call up and they don't have a lot of NHL experience and you're, you're seeing like, okay, they're playing a majority of their shifts. They look fine. And then they have this one lapse of judgment and you know, it ends up in a goal or it ends up in a really good scoring chance. And you just remember that one shift that was bad. Well, I can't recall seeing him do that. And so that really means he's doing exactly what he's been asked to do, which is kill penalties be a, a bigger physical presence um, on the back end and just not make any, uh, I don't want to even want to say rookie mistakes, but any, any mental lapses, any mistakes that would um, end up in a, a scoring chance the other way that could hurt the team. And I don't think he's been a liability at all. No. And, and he's, you know, he's 26 years old, so he's not a kid and he comes over from the Islanders organization, which is a team and an organization that, has long stress defense. Um, so he's he's learned to play defense the right way. And yeah, I'm sure there's tweaks going from the Islanders to the Bruins, but that foundation is there. And I know the Islanders have changed a little bit under Lane Lambert where they, they've opened up a little more this year in particular. They actually haven't been a very good defensive team, but nonetheless, like he had that training, coaching, organizational focus on defense. So uh yeah he's been good um his first year in the pros like with any pro time in the nhl was last season he had 12 games with the islanders he's already up to 14 games with the bruins so he's he's passed his you know career numbers now and, and he's at 26 games so i at, at the very least for him he's trending in the right direction and i don't with the injury to forbert still being we kind of just don't know when he's coming back and it's been pretty long term He's going to be here for a while longer. Yeah. And I, I kind of think like even once everyone's healthy, he could be sort of a perfect seventh defenseman where you plug him in any given night and you're not worried about it. He can play either side. Um, so yeah, I could see him sticking around even 
when the team is healthy. Um, Bridget, do you have any other ups? My, I have one last one, but it's actually not a current Boston Bruin. Oh, that's interesting. I'm just <laughs> yeah, going to go with, I'm, I'm going to bend with, the rules a little. Okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. It's a Friday. I'll let you. Um, so I'm just going to say Swayman and we don't have to keep it very long. Um, Swayman had a great game against, uh, against Las Vegas and he's on the cusp of making the all-star game. So I believe you can still vote for him. If you would like to see him uh, play in the all-star game, uh, get on it. I'm not sure the exact URL, but literally just, if you know how to use the internet, if you found this podcast, you can find it. <laughs> I, I think voting might've ended Thursday. I'm not hundred percent sure of that. Really? Yeah. It feels early. Yeah. I don't, it, it it is or like I it feels like they announced it early. They sent it to the fan vote early. Now I, I'm gonna look. I don't up. know. Yeah, I might be way off. I have no idea. But. I'm looking it up. Go ahead. Let's let's hear your out in left field. Um, up, Scott. Um, only because we haven't talked about him in a while, and I feel like the last time we did talk about him, it was mostly negative. But Fabian Lysel has been on fire in Providence. Um. So, I mean, it's still a Bruin, like that's still Bruins related. Yeah, I yeah. think you're going off the board. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm not going way off the board. But Fabian Lysel, nine points in his last six games down in Providence, plus five. Um, by all accounts, has been playing really good hockey. And, like, you know, obviously the big headlines around Lysel this season were after Ryan Mujanel's comments that were very critical of him, um, saying, you know, he needs to buy in, uh, can't. You know, basically, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but like basically, I can't be as selfish, can't go one on four against guys. And so that blew up and got a lot of play. We talked about it. Um, I wrote about it. But, you know, you got to let's make sure we also give a guy credit when he starts playing the right way and doing the right thing and playing well. And now, you know, I don't think a call up's like imminent or anything, but. From that point where it's, oh, my God, his Providence coach is saying, you know, if he doesn't buy in, he's not going to play for Jim Montgomery. And a lot of us, like, our reactions, like, well, I guess we're not going to see Fabian Lysel this year. Like, he, he's he's way further off than we thought. I don't know. Then you get a stretch like this, and it's like, maybe we shouldn't totally, like, rule out seeing him at some point this season. I'm not, not holding my breath. I don't think it's happening right now. But – there's a lot of season left. There's still three months left in the regular season. Like it's not, it's not impossible. If the kid keeps playing well, he might get a look at some point. So just wanted to point out someone that's come under criticism who is now playing really well. There you go. Thank you, Scott. And to tie our two things together, the last two things we said, Georgie Merkeloff is going to play in the AHL all-star game. That's right. Um, and also you still have a day to vote. It says voting isn't over uh voting isn't over uh it says voting begins in one day i don't know so literally the big line says voting isn't over so uh that that's a skills thing i don't think that's the actual voting if i'm reading that right i don't know wait wait all right maybe i'm wrong i don't know (laughs) yeah try try uh Voting close Thursday at midnight. You're right, Scott. Ah, no, never, you never question the skill competition. Apparently, <laughs> make Wayman do something crazy. I don't know. Put him up for the the penalty shot trick or whatever. 
<laughs> what? Are they going to try to incorporate? What can they incorporate in Toronto? Because they've in when they're in Vegas, they did what the um, they did something like out in front of the uh, the water fountain there. Why am I blanking on which hotel? That Bellagio. Is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then in Florida, like they did something on the beach when they were down there. What's what can they do in Toronto? Just go, um, just go shovel snow or something. Freeze their asses off. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> You're listing two places people want to be outside. And then one that is, uh, I probably wouldn't want to venture too far out in the cold. I, like, um, I always like, like these, the videos people, you know, teams share of like how guys find out they're an all-star or whatever. Like that's also, it's kind of cool. Like province put one out from Merkulov with, uh, it was like his teammates who revealed it at the end of practice um seattle put a it was dave hackstall telling pretty sure it's vince dunn is uh seattle's all-star and he was like oh like you guys got any plans or whatever and he they're going to some, him and his wife are going to like some tropical location and hackstall's like how do you feel about going to toronto for the all-star game instead and uh, i don't know if he's <laughs> like all-star so, so no so like like he was happy about it but i'm like that is like a a funny question. It's like, I know you're going to the Caribbean, but how's Toronto in February sound? And his wife is still going, probably. I, I know if it was me, I'd be like, have fun in Toronto. Uh, I'll, I'll be coming back tan. Uh, and, well, remember when Yarmir Yager got the fan vote and he was like actively telling people not to vote for him? Yeah. Ovechkin He's like, I'm tired and I'm old. I need a break. Well, Ovechkin straight up backed out and then like had to miss a, a regular season game because of it. Yeah, uh, that's the punishment if you yeah uh, like are, don't have an injury, like you don't have a good reason to not be there. <laughs> I mean, to Yager's credit, he did he did play. He didn't want to. He was like, <laughs> I was finally gonna get a week off, guys. What the hell? Um, I mean, you get a bonus, don't you? Not that it matters to someone like Yager. Yeah, I would assume so. I think so. If you're John Scott and you win MVP, you used to get a car. <laughs> yeah. That was like his, his biggest payday of his career. Oh, yeah. That was it. That was one time where it actually did mean something to someone. And he played like it, too, because he played really well. He played like he needed a new car. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're getting silly. Um, so the Bruins have lost three straight in overtime slash shootouts they are they have one game left on the road trip eight o'clock on saturday night uh in st louis before they come and return home for five games so uh we will keep an eye out for whether or not we see brennan bussey at any point in that homestand uh obviously we will keep you updated on twitter with any injury information that we find out scott's really good with this i'm much worse at twitter than scott but i try i try but I'm just well. Depending on how you look at it, you're just not on as much. So I would argue you're better at Twitter. I here's the thing. This is this is my thing. I don't think anyone cares what, what I have to say. I'm so I like care, I just like Bridget. who the hell cares what I think about this? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I'm never on. I'm like no one cares. No one, no one cares. So see, I I have a big enough ego that I think yeah. they care, even though well, they probably I'm like, don't. Who, who the hell who the hell gives a shit what I think? Uh, but anyway, I also have this podcast, so I mean, if you're listening, you, you, maybe you do care what I think. <laughs> I don't know. 
but yeah, Scott has a big enough ego to take care of this for both of us. So right. uh, check out his Twitter slash maybe mine. Who knows? Uh, you might be pleasantly surprised. Uh, and also, if you have any questions, we'll probably do a mailbag episode here soon or not even even if it's not a whole episode, maybe like a 20 minute mailbag. Um, so definitely uh, comment or email us whatever you're thinking. And Scott, I'm sure you've gotten some in the in the meantime, since we've done our last one already. So uh, we are working on that and we'll definitely do one like during the all-star break because we'll have plenty of time. Yeah, for, that. for sure. And, and there's like, yeah, maybe even probably next week because there's that little gap. They play Monday afternoon and then not again until Thursday night. So like you said, even if it's like a mini one at some, at some point. Yeah. All right. So that is going to be it for us today. Um, I hope you enjoy your weekend and we'll talk to you very soon.